Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Hey guys, welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you so much for downloading and pressing play. This week we are continuing with my second birthday celebration, Clipapalooza. Since we have a part two of a Facts of Life episode that is a clip show, it was suggested by Matthew Arter that I do a clip show as well for my birthday, and this is part two of that. If you didn't hear part one, well, what are you waiting for? Download it and go listen to it first, and then you can catch up to where we are. So before we get started, a couple of things I realized I missed saying last week was, first of all, looking at the old clips, the girls look so young. They look so, so crazy young. Nancy McKeon in particular. I mean, she looked fine when she was on the show. She held her own against Blair. You really didn't quite pick up on that she was three years younger than Lisa Welchel. But now, looking back, it's like, ooh, she really did look like a, a tall child and not a young woman the way she does now. Uh, the other thing is that some of the clips do contain... Some of the humor that I've criticized over the weeks here, where we do get the kind of light Jewish humor for Natalie, we get the uh, attempts at giving 2D sassy black humor, and uh, I was kind of happy to see them again just to remind myself that they used to be there and that they don't really do that anymore in the show, and that it did really happen. It wasn't just a figment of my imagination. Now, before I get too far into this, I, I messed this up last week. Let me do the business. This is Season 5, Episode 26, called The Way We Were, Part 2. And, of course, The Way We Were is named for the insanely popular song from the 70s, written by Marvin Hamlish, music and lyrics by Marilyn and Alan Bergman, written for Barbara Streisand to sing in the movie The Way We Were, which is the one that she did with Robert Redford. And uh, yeah, so that's what that is all about. And uh, it was written by Jerry Mayer, one of the OG writers and producers of the show, and directed by Old Faithful Asad Kelada. Now, this was originally broadcast on May 9th of 1984. This is the second half of a one-hour retrospective that they did, and then they split it up when the show went into syndication. So as far as syndication is concerned, this is episode 26 of season 5. Now, in addition to uh, reliving all the memories of the facts of life and going back through these clips, as I told you, I put a big chunk of time into listening to my old shows to find good clips to share with you here today. And listening to my old shows, also really trippy, so weird. Remember my old theme song before I wrote the actual theme song and had Ned Wilkinson record it? Remember? The shows used to start with this. Thank you. 
And then before I would go away to the interview, I didn't say, let's face the facts with this person. It didn't occur to me to, oh, state the title of my own show. I used to just say, this is me with Matthew Arder. And then you'd get this wonderfully hideous static hit. Yeah, that was some of the cheesy intro music, I think from season eight or season nine. I just used it because it was there. And uh, I like my theme song a lot better. The other thing is how at the beginning of every episode, I would be saying the same spiel over and over that, hi, I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida. And every week I sit down and watch an episode of the, oh, shut up. So I'm glad I now have my theme song and that I've now pre-recorded the intro and the outro to the show so I don't have to be saying the same crap every single week. It's really nice. I love the consistency of it. And it also feeds my hopeless, hopeless laziness. And of course, this week, I'm on my own again. I don't have a new guest either on the Zoom or in the studio. It is, it's, it is weird being here uh, on my own doing all the talking when normally I'm used to having a guest to bounce things off of and still do all the talking. <laughs> yeah. So let's jump on in and start with the two-sentence TV Guide synopsis. Uh, really easy, I can tell you. The girls constantly say, come on, guys. Does that make sense? Maybe it doesn't. So let me explain it a little further. When last we left the girls uh, in the first half in the part one cliffhanger of the episode, Blair and Joe got into a fight and they refused to make up. And Joe stormed out of the room saying that she was going to be moving out next year. So what this clip show is, is that they continue to go through the clips and memories while Blair and Joe refuse to reconcile, and every other character, Mrs. Garrett and Tootie and Natalie, multiple times throughout this show, turn to them and say, come on, guys, can't you put your differences aside? Well, think about all the memories we've shared. Think about this. Think about that. That's kind of what they're using as the springboard to get the clips moving. But let me tell you, it gets really, really fucking old. But I'll uh, cite those examples as they uh, come our way. So in the first scene, we are still in the bedroom, as we were all of the last episode, as we will remain for this episode. And Mrs. Garrett comes in with Blair's peach organza dress. It is now clean, and Mrs. Garrett is all happy, says you can be a bridesmaid again. Blair is so thrilled about the dress being clean, and <laughs> we haven't really talked about this dress, this peach organza. It is a fugly dress, and it is a fugly color. And it's not a color that every woman can wear, and I'm not so sure it's a color that Blair can wear. But the thing is, people don't understand that uh, bridesmaids' dresses and prom dresses were so different up until about, what, the mid to late 90s? When suddenly it was like, oh, why don't we try to dress nicely, like adults? Like, instead of it being a tacky dress dress-up event, why not make it a grown-up dress-up event? And so I, I love looking at prom pictures now and my, my friends post pictures of their kids. It's just like, oh my God, it's great to see them in true, nice, 
really fashionable evening gowns with their hair done and uh, their faces all painted. And those are just the boys. Ha ha! So we go on with Blair and Joe are still fighting. Now you remember Blair accidentally knocked over the little TV tray upon which Joe was working on some type of an engine slash carburetor that was going to earn her some money with which she was going to pay to take her mother on the first vacation she's been on in two years. So this was financially very important to Joe, but when Blair tried to write her a check to apologize and atone for uh, lousing it up, Joe reacted badly, as Joe does when it comes to poor people, rich people things. I still would like to put forth, we have seen this in other episodes, why the fuck is Joe working on engine parts in the fucking bedroom? What the shit? If it is that important, girl, go out into the garage. Go into the cellar, which I know you have because this is Peekskill, New York, up in the Northeast. That's where I'm from. Every fucking house has got a cellar. Find another area in the attic. Why are you in the active living space of a bedroom? Surrounded by your friends who are packing, and you should be packing too while Mrs. Garrett is having a shit fit. So, I'm a little bit Team Blair in this argument here, because it was an innocent mistake of Blair trying to reach for the shoes under the bed and knock over the table. And Joe reacted badly, and I'm still really in the camp of, Joe, you should never have been working on that up there anyway. There's a place you work on fucking engine parts, and it's not your bedroom that you share with three other young women. There. Spoken my peace, amen. Praise the Lord. So at this point, because the dress is now clean, Mrs. Garrett tries to sort of begin the healing and, well, now we're all dresses are clean and our engines are being fixed and we're so calm. And Blair and Joe react with like, nope, we're still fucking fighting and we're still mad and giving each other the silent treatment. So we get our first, come on, guys, it can't end this way end this way. Ugh, written in true sitcom fashion. People have one fight and everyone around them is like, this is over. This friendship is ending. As opposed to, or they have a fight and they'll eventually get the fuck over it. But ugh, anyway, the come on guys that is being used here is the, you've spent some of your happiest times at each other's throats. We fade to the pink screen, and then we go into a montage of seven clips that are all Blair and Joe fighting clips. And it's varying things. Some of it is longer form. Some of it is just the quick one-liner. So some of it is uh, longer form arguments. Some of it is sort of quick quips. And the first one is a good example where Joe comes in mentioning she was at the library and Blair says, you were at the library? I didn't think you could read anything more difficult than Dumbo. And Joe responds with, well, I sleep next to her. Ha <laughs> ha! That show was season two, episode four, and this brings in my first clip. 
And that episode was where I welcomed my friend Rob Zeiser. And uh, there are two bits here that I wanted to share. First of all, is he was asking me some questions about Mrs. Garrett that were just hilarious. And then secondly, we talk about this moment later in the show where Tootie, who is still, what, she's 13 at this point, is trying to flirt with a boy. And, uh, well, this is what Rob and I discussed. The... Beginning of the episode starts with um, Mrs. Garrett being drunk. Mrs. Garrett is no, she, she dr- always acts like that. Yeah, but maybe she acts like that because she's drunk. <laughs> no, 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 she's, she's not. not drunk. No. There's no history of Mrs. Garrett drinking. <laughs> she we saw her on but champagne what, in one episode. But wasn't now, why do you say that? Now she was the cleaning lady on different strokes, yeah, right? She, this is a spin-off. She cleaned their toilets, yes. But wasn't she a drunk on different strokes? Wasn't that part of her character? I don't think so. Okay. I don't remember. I can't say I, I wholeheartedly. Could, I could be wrong. I could be adding that. I don't know. She was more the side the sassy housekeeper, the yes. wisecracking side character. Right. I and don't was, believe was she so popular that the public demanded her own show? Uh, the show was so popular because of Gary Coleman. Right. And the network had nothing. The network was in the shitter. And Different Strokes was the only new show that season that cracked the top 30. Oh, and okay. they were like, well, spin something off from that. Maybe there's something else there that we can mine uh, out of it. And, and it was a Norman Lear show. And it, was, it was a Norman Lear show. If it's, if anybody can make a successful spinoff, yeah. Norman Lear. Right. He was the king of the spinoffs. He was. And he and he almost didn't with this, but yeah. they corrected course and, and how. All right. And then the girls all leave. And Tootie... For some reason, in order to get Fred all to herself, asks Mrs. Garrett to clear out of the cafeteria. And she went along with it. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're a 13-year-old girl. Yes. With a handsome young man. I'll leave now. I'll I'll leave you to to it. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Nice chaperone. Clearly someone isn't a chaperone. Someone's a dietitian now. She's (laughs) taken her job description very seriously. (laughs) Oh, yes, we have to remember the inappropriateness has been around for pretty much all of the entire series. (laughs) So then the next clip we have is from season four, episode 16. That's where Joe is showing Blair that she grew some bok choy in her winter greenhouse garden. And again, it was just a simple single zinger of some sort. But that was the episode Let's Party. And my guest was Mark Baratelli. And uh, (laughs) with Mark, I discussed that uh, Tootie's brother came into town and he had a friend with him who was very attractive. So tell me, what what thoughts, what felts have you felt regarding this scene so far? Uh, So Marshall's friend is hot. Yes. Beautiful. Uh, I don't know if you Googled him yet. I I want to know what he's been doing, what he's up to. I know he did a probably a Playgirl centerfold in the the late 80s. (laughs) He could have. He... And his chin is either an implant or a gift from God. I've never seen a chin so perfect, and uh, this is great. Yes, and when he comes in, Blair is all... <laughs> Blair goes into estrus. Blair is like... What's estrus? Uh, that's when your baboons get their their big bubble gum. Ah! But that's, that's, <laughs> that's literally like, my pussy is wet and ready to accept you. That's... 
Yeah, you've never heard that term. Is this going on the internet? I don't know. Why am I cut it? Oh, God. We that have hot guy. The, okay, that hot guy is okay. Hot. Okay, go Speaking ahead. of being Sorry. an estrus, Mark. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm flapping my down. rosy cheeks. <laughs> enter, enter here. <laughs> the deal is, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, we have Tootie's brother. This yeah. actor is Kevin Rodney Sullivan. He's like a big time director now. So this is like an example, like Meathead. Meathead had that one role. Rob Reiner, he, he I believe. To, yeah, and he went on to do with mm-hmm. Harry Met Sally, and then have this huge yeah. career beyond that one role. Yeah. So this guy was meant to be behind the, the camera. This is the black Rob Reiner. Yes, Mark, I know you want to say that, but... What? Huh? I'm sorry. No. My flaps are open. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that's the name of his memoir that he someday writes. My flaps are open. The Mark Baratelli story. <laughs> so the next clip is uh, from season two, episode three, Double Standard. And then uh, we have another clip from season two, episode nine, Gossip. And that was where I welcomed James Bondy onto the show. Or actually, was it James Bondy who welcomed me? Well, hello, James Bondy. Hello, David Almeida. How are you? Well, I'm lovely. Welcome to your home. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having you. <laughs> this is uh, this is a first for my podcast. This is me on location by remote. I have come here to you, and I'm sitting in your beautiful home. It is the nicest toy museum I have seen in a long time. It is. It's uh, it's owed to a an only child, <laughs> and the living room has definitely uh, uh, taken over for uh, the. Thomas the Train Superstation and Star Wars figures and trucks and trains and everything. I'm I am always in in every house with children. I am always because I feel like I had a lot of toys as a kid. I had nothing compared to a typical kid today with how many toys kids accumulate. Well, I actually I had Presley, my son, uh, get the living room situated like this to inspire perhaps a silver spoons. Oh, uh, a podcast later on because you know oh. how he had toys all over the house. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> and so we do have a, we do have a train to to ride on if you want to get on top of it and ride around the house. Absolutely. The only difference is that you you were actually raising your son in Silver Spoons. Ricky Schroeder was what was he? He didn't. I guess the dad didn't know he had a kid until the pilot when Ricky Schroeder turns up at his doorstep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Um, I used to watch that. I don't remember. I remember I loved Jason Bateman on that. Did you? God, he was so good. I I thought he was he was definitely the most natural. Well, Ricky Schroeder was pretty darn good too. Yeah. But but he was Jason Bateman was great for the limited amount of time that they gave him. Yeah. And oh. Alfonso Ribeiro has not improved as an actor one <laughs> bit. <laughs> he mugged then and he mugs now. Oh my God, bless. Oh, Silver Spoons. I. I cannot remember the last time I watched that. I, I don't think I even watched it in reruns. I think I need to maybe go back and see if I can find a few and revisit those because it was a fun show. The next clip is from season three, episode 20. That was Kids Can Be Cruel. And my guest, of course, was Paul Padilla. And this was what Paul and I discussed. Just because she's the authority figure, let's put her in charge. But this is an auction. Mm-hmm. She is going, 
And now, next what we've got is your lovely turkey sandwich. Yes. Yeah. It is her pinching and giving off all of the worst yeah. annoying tones to her voice. Yeah. And it's really like, oh, my God, could this auction be over? I don't want to be in this room. How can they stand this? Well, and that, that section where she's she's first talking and she's trying to uh, spruce up Joe's dinner a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, because Joe's is just awful. It's just shit because she doesn't yeah. want anybody to bid on it. So she tries to spruce it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then Joe ends up getting upset and then saying – and bidding against the boy that bid on it because Joe, once again, yep. huh, huh, does yeah. not want to be with the guy. There is one thing that because I I've always been terrified of you asking me this because I'm not quick on like so many of your other guests who okay. are improv is when you ask them to do a quick synopsis. Oh my yeah, god! You've never asked me. And I, I forgot, and I've never wanted to say it. I've I've never told you. Oh, Did I forget again? This this is the the my third fourth time, and you still haven't had. But that's okay Shut because up. it is my biggest fear, David. I'll be it's my biggest fear. So during the episode, I wrote one. Uh. <laughs> Because I know I can't. You weren't even feet. watching. I've seen it. I know all the words, but yeah. So okay. I'm just right. going to let so you know what it is. I'm 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 glad to think that this is so important that it fills you with anxiety. But it's such anxiety, and that's why I, we were finishing up, and I was like, I am. I'm four for four, but uh, I'm just going to go ahead and it's not okay. That good. Go for it's it. It's just not going to be that. It's not that good, but yeah. I was stressed about it, so I wrote it. I put Natalie takes no prisoners when Blair betrays her trust leaving bait student Carl an innocent bystander and brunt of a cruel joke. Wow. And scene. And scene. Bravo. It still just blows my mind that uh, Paul doesn't think he has any improv skills and that they intimidate him so much. It's hopefully he will continue to be a great improviser as long as he writes his stuff ahead of time. Now, the next clip is from Season 3, Episode 12, Green-Eyed Monster. That's the one with South Pacific. It's just the one where Joe says, I'm not getting up on stage and making a fool of myself. And Blair says, oh, but you do it so well. (laughs) And then the last clip in the group is from Season 3, Episode 19, New York, New York. This is the one where Blair and her friend Dina meet up and are doing all the kissy and the kissy and the mwah. And Joe has the great line, I think I just stumbled into a Farrah Fawcett convention. (laughs) So then we come back from the pink screen back to the modern day and the theoretical, we're picking up the room and preparing it to be painted even though no surfaces require paint. And we get our second. Come on, guys. And in this case, the appeal on the part of Tootie and Natalie is sort of a, come on, you guys can make up and get along. Look at us. Look at our friendship. And the lead-in line they use is, our relationship has always been mature. And then we go to And we're talking, that was like three lines of dialogue. It was not a lot. And then we go right to the pink screen and into the next series of clips. Now, these clips, as you might guess, these are the Tootie and Natalie clips showing the ups and downs of their relationship. And what we have here is the first clip is the one we've seen many times. I don't know if it was in a commercial. I can't remember if it was actually in one of the opening themes. I feel like it should have been. But it's the one where Tootie is throwing the dishes and Natalie is catching them in the wash tub and and panicking in the process that something is going to break. So 
Um, that's where we start. And that clip was from season two, episode seven, Teenage Marriage, part one. And then the next clip is one of my all-time favorites. It's the one where Natalie explains her brainwave conductors on her study hat. That is, of course, from the episode season four, episode 20, Take My Finals, Please. And, you know, that is my favorite episode of the series. And it was an extra special treat because I had a kind of famous guest on that week, Ken Reed of TV Guidance Counselor podcast fame. And here's some of the stuff that Ken and I were discussing about the final scene of that episode. And then the girls file out. Mrs. Garrett is left alone in the room. And what does she do, Ken? She puts on the hat. Yes! The final big laugh is Mrs. Garrett taking Natalie's busted lightning bolt hat and putting it on her own head and just laughing and walking out the door. Although it makes me feel like maybe when they're gone, she just puts all their clothes on. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's why she lost all that weight in season two. That's right. That's why. So she could fit into the girls' clothes. Now we know that is, you know, there there is Facts of Life fan fiction out there, Ken. So, well, well, you got some time in quarantine. (laughs) Oh, we're going to explore this. The Eastland years are my Facts of Life. That's my sweet spot. That's what I think of when I think of this show to you when i say facts of life ken what do you think of over our heads oh okay that that's my everything yeah that's just like the aesthetic of my soul (laughs) yes and independently owned spencer's gifts indeed without the dildos (laughs) and the the little bag that you push a button and it says bullshit right right no over the hill uh things (laughs) No fart machines, yeah. No, uh, no, no posters that say Buttweiser. <laughs> no T-shirts that say Mustache Rides Here. Exactly. Oh, Spencer's the bastion of taste, and <laughs> God, I love it. Yes, God, anytime talking about Spencer's gifts or anything mall related, that's that's always a happy time for me. <laughs> The next three clips were all cut from syndication. And what they basically are is they are a condensed version of season three, episode 12, Green-Eyed Monster. So we have the scene where Natalie is auditioning, singing, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair. And then it quickly cuts to Natalie saying, I'm going to get this part. Isn't it great? And then you hear Tootie singing her audition. And then we go straight to the rehearsal where Tootie is singing Some Enchanted Evening and Natalie is basically being disruptive to the rehearsal and rolling coconuts and all that crazy stuff. So, yeah, that did not make it into the syndicated version, but that did not dampen my joy of revisiting when Laura Hodis was on the podcast for that very same episode. And halfway through the episode... She dropped a little bit of a bomb on me. Sidebar actually met Lisa Welsh once. I know. I was saving that Hodos. for you. I was saving it for you. You buried the lead on me. I did what? not. But you're, you're, 
your reaction is everything I ever wanted <laughs> what did and you? more. How did you meet her? She came backstage at the Magic Kingdom once and she wanted to see the show we were doing. And Shut uh up. Yep. Yep. But of oh. course, because it's, you know, Disney, you can't ask for a photo. And oh, of course no- not. Nothing is sadder to me than that. What year was this? This ha- It has to be at least five years ago, and it might be more. Seven years ago? Uh-huh. I think. She's a, she's like an Annette Funicello. She was on yep. the Mickey Mouse Club. So yep. she's like, I want shit backstage. I fucking get to. Right. Good for her. Definitely some funny physical comedy from yes. Lisa Welchel, who can do no wrong in my book, as Agreed. we know. Agreed. I can't believe you met her. Yeah, she actually met Matthew Arder's close personal friend, Lisa Welchel. Now, the next uh, clip is also cut from syndication. It's the one in the bedroom from season four, episode 19. Guess who's coming to dinner? And it's the clip where uh, the squirrel has gotten into the girl's bedroom. And it's the (laughs) surprising clip where Natalie says, something just crawled up my leg. And Tootie responds with, yeah, wishful thinking. It was like, oh, wow. So the next clip, continuing with Tootie and Natalie land here, it's the clip where Natalie has the baby bottle and Tootie says, well, you have to test the temperature. And Natalie says, it's fine. And Tootie says, no, you have to check it with your wrist. And all of the milk spills out onto her wrist. Very funny physical bit. And that show episode was season three, episode three, A Baby in the House. And my guest for that was my very good friend, Wesley Slade. And we had some similar thoughts about the end of that episode when their friend came back to reclaim the baby that she had previously abandoned and left behind with the girls. Where have you been, Allison? Where were you? I was out at Cooper's Rock. Oh, that place we mentioned earlier that you had run off to when you were, you know, when you were a teenager two years ago when you were here. Again, didn't occur to anybody to go there and see. Oh, that's fair. I didn't think of that at all because I don't remember that's where she said she ran off to. I didn't remember that. But when I heard Cooper's Rock, I just assumed, oh, you went to stand on the edge of a cliff because you were about to jump off Uh, of it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, wow, read the room. Yeah, we've we've said that before, ladies. Read the room. Um, but she said when she got into the hallway to go retrieve Emily, she realized she was alone for the first time in my life in how long I'd been. First of all, baby's only six months old. Yeah, I'm, I was alone. I was alone. Next thing I knew, that whole thing, I was in my car and I was just driving. And, you know, so um, Blair lays into her and says, oh, yeah. you know, when you used to go to school here, you taking off on these adventures was fine, but this is irresponsible. What kind of mother are you? <gasps> I'm a good mother! <laughs> you have no idea! Do you see this baby crying? I'll slip my wrist right now. I know, stop. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll kill both of us! <laughs> you shut your whore mouth! <laughs> That's exactly what it was. The only excuse that she really gives of a sense of understanding what she did was wrong is uh-huh. that she says, I just needed a last look back. And then she killed herself. No. That's that's what I have written down. I'm like, what be terrific? I needed one last look back, and then she kills herself. Yeah. And, and um, that's, that's it, the idea. She of, says it so wistfully and sad. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, she's still not in a good place, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mental health is important. People know the warning signs of depression and other 
things. Anyway, uh, and the last clip of this lot uh, is does exist in the syndicated version. It was not eliminated, and it is the end of their conversation in Season 5, Episode 15. So uh, a much more recent episode, and that's the one about racism, where Tootie and Natalie kind of have it out a bit where uh, Natalie is considering dating Tootie's cousin, but there are implications in the fact that it would be an interracial relationship. So that ends that cluster of clips about Tootie and Natalie. So now we come back via the pink splash screen dissolve. And first words out of Tootie. Come on, Joe. Blair. Nope. Neither of them are having it. And I am not having it either. I would be like, look, whether or not we become friends again. We need you guys to shut the fuck up with the come on, guys, because this is number three by my count, and there are more to come. So now this is the point where Tootie discovers that Jeffy, her kitten, is not in his travel tote, and he's not in the bathroom and not in the closet. Well, she had handed the cat to Natalie to put him in his tote back when she was reminiscing and holding her roller skates, and apparently... Natalie didn't latch it properly or whatever. So then this begets complete and total pandemonium with the girls all completely tearing apart the room, trying to find the kitten and throwing things out of chests and boxes and uh, throwing them behind them in the air, just going crazy over the top and cartoonish until finally the silence is broken with this sound off camera of... You guessed it, Mrs. Garrett. She walks in, holding the cat at arm's length and saying, get this fucking animal away from me. I'm paraphrasing. And on that note is where we go to commercial. By the way, the cat is really cute. It's an orange and white cat. It's, uh, it's a nice little kitty. And uh, I don't believe we ever, ever hear about it ever again, ever. So typical sitcom component, I guess, par for the course. Um, so then we come back from commercial and Blair's first words are what a horrible mess because the room has really just been turned upside down with this whole trying to find the kitten thing. So Joe is still working on her motor and uh, she has a sweater that she throws at Blair. It's Blair's sweater and it's like, get it out of my way. And so Blair reacts badly to Joe just throwing it. And she's like, that's Angora. And Joe's response is, it's getting fuzz in my valves. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the diesel engine sound effect, we are going to be uh, revisiting that again a little bit later. You heard us doing it earlier. Comedy rule of threes, people. It will be back. So Mrs. Garrett is getting very angry at the girls because the room is in worse shape than when they started and they've got to get this mess cleaned up. So Tootie is griping that Natalie didn't put Jeffy in his cage. And then Tootie and Natalie start in. And finally, Mrs. Garrett screams in her beautiful dulcet shriek tone, Stop it! You girls aren't going to let these petty arguments ruin five years of wonderful friendship. And it's like, have they never had a fight before? 
they've never yelled. We've seen them do that. What is the deal with this episode feeling like every little molehill of an interaction is a fucking mountain of possible permanent catastrophe and dissolution of these friendships? It's just uh, so illogical. But Mrs. Garrett continues, you know you want to tell each other I'm sorry, and you don't want to go away for the summer vacation mad at your friends. And she gets no reaction from anyone, Joe or Blair, or Tootie or Natalie. So now they're fighting. And Mrs. Garrett just sighs and says, I see. Well, who am I to give advice? And as she leaves the room, in case you didn't catch the irony of that moment, Natalie turns back to the rest of the girls and says, Is she kidding? And then, interestingly, before we go to the pink screen and go to this set of uh, clips, obviously, about Mrs. Garrett, it zooms in on Joe. And the reason why is the first of the clips that we have is that magnificent scene from season two, episode three, Double Standard, the one where Joe goes to the cotillion that Blair wanted to go to. And Joe comes home all messed up because the boy uh, tried to have his way with her against her will without her consent and uh that i think that was the audition scene that got nancy mckeon the job with her resting her head on mrs garrett's shoulder and crying and saying i always dreamed i could go to a thing like that and you would be proud of me and then when mrs garrett says oh, part of me wishes you just hit him with something and then breaking the dramatic moment nancy mckeon perfectly timed, looks up and says, oh, uh, I did do that. And the audience cheers because they're like, yes, even though you are crying and you're in a very delicate state to know that you did give him back a little bit of what you were getting was just a beautiful thing and a beautiful moment in the show. And the next clip is the one where Mrs. Garrett is confronting Tootie about the letters, the fake letters that Tootie wrote from the fake boyfriend in season three, episode nine, called Dear Me. And my guest for that show was Lisa Wolf Pankal, and she and I went off on a little bit of a, a memory nostalgia sidebar, as well as she had some fun reminiscences from her own youth back in the 1980s. Just a, a nice little reference of the time. The boy, uh, Paul, who is fawning over Blair, is like, oh, I love your perfume. Be sure to wear your perfume. And Blair turns and says, it's going to be an aviance night. Do you remember that commercial? Aviance. I love it. That is. At every drugstore. That is drugstore perfume yes. like Charlie yeah. We did. Jean Tay. Jean Exclamation. <laughs> I mean, I know all of them. I'm yeah. Primo by Giorgio yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Oh my God. But yes, there was a, that was a direct <laughs> quote to a, a TV commercial that Lisa and I may or may not remember from our infancy or That's when weird. we were in vitro. We were very young in 1981. Yes. So yeah, this is a very nice that in the FOLCU, the Facts of Life Cinematic Universe, as I discuss, uh, Cooper's Rock uh, is still a consistent place where the kids go for the for the necking and the uh, other 
naughty stuff. We had a place like that growing up back in Garfield Heights, Ohio. Oh, yeah? Sure. What was it called? Tinker's Creek. Tinker. That was it. But listen, people. Is that what it was called or is that what you did? No. Both. <laughs> uh, it was called Tinker's Creek, and that's where we would have our beer beer bongs, mm-hmm. uh, kegs, keg wow. parties would be over there. Girl, oh, yeah. we did. We meant business. Wow, great place to grow up. We didn't have a place in Brockton, Mass. <laughs> we didn't have a place that I knew of that was like that for me. Um, I mean, honestly, you know what it was? The drive-in theaters. Sure. That was a big thing. Oh, we yeah. still had drive-ins. Mm-hmm. They were just on we the way too. out. We, yeah. But they still existed in, mm-hmm. in my day. Drive-ins. And God, who would have ever thought we would see them coming back here in 2020. But that's, that's what a pandemic will do. Always some type of unexpected consequences. Wouldn't it be lovely if they, like, stuck around after things returned to normal, when things returned to normal? Yeah. So as this uh, travelogue of Mrs. Garrett clips continues, you may notice we have had Joe, we have had Tootie, and now we have got the Blair scene. The Blair scene is really, really disturbing because it is from the pilot, season one, episode one. I was thinking, like, why didn't they pick season three, episode four, A Friend Indeed, the one where Blair's mother has cancer, and that's the one where Mrs. Garrett talks about the first time she saw her father cry and basically the rite of passage that every child has to go through where their parent stops being a parent and becomes a human. And I really think that might have been a little more effective, even though... The upcoming clip with Natalie is also dealing with the death of Natalie's father. But uh, anyhow, before I get too far ahead of myself, this is the clip where, because Blair was mean to Cindy and calling her, for all intents and purposes, a lesbian, Mrs. Garrett decides to deal with Blair in her own way. And my guest, Matthew Arter, and I uh, were really quite appalled by what we watched. Well, what happened was Blair <laughs> is all done up and just yeah. gorgeous. Gorgeous. God damn. Just if I, if I had looked like her in 1979 when I was 16, <laughs> uh, Blair would have had eight kids by I know. season five. <laughs> like, I would have been at the free clinic every weekend. <laughs> she is. I just mean, beautiful. I mean, no yeah. wonder Joe fell in love with her the minute she <laughs> took her motor co- motorcycle hat off. <laughs> Um, so she's looking gorgeous. <clears throat> she's looking... And just her pert little 16-year-old titties are just they are, so They right. are up to her chin. And just lovely. And she probably doesn't have a bra on. Probably not. Probably not. Probably had to turn the heat on in yeah. this so we didn't get headlights from a 16-year-old. <laughs> chicken's or done. Or band-aids over them or something. <laughs> But she's and I want to reiterate, we are two gay men, so it is not yeah. misogynistic or inappropriate that we are pointing out I how a very genuinely clear, beautiful she was. Like, Linda Carter and oh Lisa my. Welcher were the only two women I actually, like, thought about in that way. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> see, I never thought about them. Other oh, than, I wanted to be I mean, I was aware so they were... bad. I was aware they... And I had, I had a Farrah Fawcett poster and a Linda Carter poster. But I didn't know what it meant to be her boyfriend. When I yeah. thought these thoughts. Yeah, you thought you get I to do her like, hair and... Yeah, we get to hang out and she's going to spin around and I get I, to wear her outfits. She, I, she, I could, she could take her clothes off and I could put other clothes on her. Right, and I could dress her up. <laughs> but she's so, just gorgeous. She is. And um, 
She's Mrs. Garrett. Mrs. Garrett calls her a slut. <laughs> she basically slut shakes her. It's like the door slams and she's like, let's get real, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to wreck you, 16-year-old girl. <laughs> like You calling my little friend a lesbo. Oh, no, you did. Maybe that's why they now ask for people like her in her position to have, like, child psychiatry degrees. Because <laughs> uh, this probably maybe. isn't the best yeah, way. Maybe even a, uh, an associates in social work. Uh, something. Even. Something. Childhood yeah, education. Even, yeah, from DeVry. We'll take it. But just <laughs> something. Care. Because, yeah, she basically... Conflict resolution doesn't mean making the other girl feel like a slut. <laughs> exactly. It was just crazy, man. And then the fourth clip in this series is the Natalie clip. And like I alluded to before, it's season five, episode 18, Big Fish, Little Fish. That was just a few weeks ago that Natalie was dealing with the death of her father. And uh, Mrs. Garrett does a beautiful job. I should say Charlotte Ray does a beautiful job with Mrs. Garrett's performance and that with telling Natalie what she went through when she lost her father. So, yeah. Then we have a fifth clip uh, of all of them. This is cut from syndication, and I'm kind of okay with that because it's not really a great clip. It's the clip from season three, episode three, A Baby in the House, which we've already had a clip from. And this is just the one where the baby has just been left behind by their friend Allison, and the girls are planning the rest of their evening, and Mrs. Garrett is handing the girls this cock and bull story that this baby's been left in our house, so it's our responsibility. So what are you going to do about it? And yeah, Wesley Slade was my guest on that show, and both of us were like, um, no, it's really not their responsibility. They are children. This is an educational institution, not a house. You are an employee of that institution, Mrs. Garrett, and there is nothing here that says that this baby is the responsibility of the girls, let alone you. But, anywho. So that was a welcome omission from the syndicated version. I did not miss that clip one single bit. And then we are back to modern times again. We have seen all of the Mrs. Garrett dealing with each of the girls' clips. And so when we come back from the pink splash screen, clearly the girls were all thinking about these things all at the same time. And Natalie caps it off with, India had Gandhi, we have Mrs. G. (laughs) So Tootie turns to the other two and says, so are you two still doing the silent treatment? implied come on guys didn't say it but that's what it felt like and then natalie says mrs garrett is right it's time to make up i have completely forgiven tootie and tootie sort of sarcastically is like thanks natalie it's like yeah it wasn't really much of anything to forgive but that's uh, i guess where the comedy is supposed to be ha ha So then Tootie decides to push this even further. Again, she doesn't say, come on, guys. But she does say, I have a plane to catch and nobody's leaving till we settle this stupid thing. And Natalie concurs, grabs them all, and they all start swaying and singing. Here's to good friends. Tonight is kind of special. And in the swaying, Joe just goes, I'm getting seasick and breaks from the group. That song was the jingle for Lowenbrow Beer. And it looks like it started in 1977 
So this is a, uh, the, the campaign did continue well beyond that. I do remember this as I was growing up, but okay, teenage girls doing a beer commercial, whatever, that's fine. Not appropriate, but it is what it is. And then we go from that to uh, the, the, the most obvious of all clip setup lines, guys, you're forgetting about all the great times we've had together. Think about them. And you almost wish all of them had been blocked to turn their heads up over the camera and look off into space together as we dissolve to the pink splash screen. And what we get is a group of clips about the happy fun times. There are six clips and the first one is cut from syndication. It's uh, from season five, episode 12, The Christmas Show. It's just showing them around the store, Edna's Edibles, with all the Christmas decorations and singing and uh, having a nice little holiday time. The second clip is also cut from syndication. It's where they're all huddled on the lounge because the heat doesn't work and they all have the blanket over them. And it's the one where, you know, Blair, <sighs> and Joe says, would you stop that? And Blair's like, I'm breathing. And Joe says, yeah, and that drives me crazy. So that is season three, episode 16, The Four Musketeers. And uh, this little group of clips is going to come back to that episode in just a minute. Then the third clip, which is where this all begins in syndication, it's the clip where they are all doing the aerobics at the top of the show. Season four, episode 11, September Song. And that is where my guest was the hilarious Kathy Baker Wood. No, before we start, actually, Kathy, yes. you are one of my mostest favoritest people in the whole wide world ever, ever, ever. Oh, and I, I, I wish I, I could say the same. I mean, I, I, I mean, let, let me, I say the same about you all the time. Stop beating your head against the wall. <laughs> I adore you. You're one of the few that still like me, despite um, all of the rumors. <laughs> quick, quick synopsis of what we just watched. Like what you might see in the TV guide, just to give a general idea. Oh, gosh, what we'd see in the TV guide. Like, oh, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> Mrs. Garrett may have found love while wearing an amazingly bright red outfit. <laughs> Wear your sunglasses, folks, and join us at 8 p.m. <laughs> Good Lord. And shiny pants. You and shiny pants. Later discovered. I, yeah. Yes, that, I almost missed that. Which yeah. I'm... Enter wow. Mrs. Garrett, and uh, his name is Henry Clayton. Yes. And they have been out jogging. Yeah. And if you're not sure which one of them is a boy and which one of them is the girl, they put him in blue. <laughs> And Mrs. Garrett is wearing what color, Kathy? Oh, my God. Red! I mean, it's red! Oh, my eyes! And then we accent it with a towel that's also got red! The color was obnoxious. And the towel has, like, bright pinks yes. and stuff in it, too. She is so crazy. Uh, the next clip is the bathroom scene from season three, episode 16, The Four Musketeers. And then we have two clips from Take My Finals, Please, season four, episode 20. First with the pillow fight and then with Tootie and the girls laughing at Natalie's lightning bolt. I believe the term that Ken Reed used was flaccid. <laughs> and then the last of these clips is the big one. It is 
also from Season 3, Episode 16, The Four Musketeers, and it is the paint scene. The painting the bedroom scene that breaks out into a full-fledged Three Stooges routine with the girls painting each other and making a big old mess out of everything. And and it honestly, it is really fun and funny. It really still holds up. And there is a little trim in the syndication. At the beginning, when the whole thing starts to build, it's Joe and Blair who start getting into it. Then they bring Natalie into it. And then Tootie tries to sneak out of the room to see if she can get out of this whole thing unscathed. And of course, she cannot. And uh, so Tootie's attempt to escape and then them bringing her back in, that all is missing. But it still ends at the same point as we have seen at the end of the opening credits now for a couple of seasons. It's all of the girls just looking over at Mrs. Garrett and going, Oh! (laughs) Anyhow, that episode, Matthew Arter was my guest. And you know, whenever Matthew is on the show, many, many funny things happen. And so I uh, put together a few of them uh, right here from that particular episode. Now, I'm confused, and you may have to cut this out, because are we now after the scene where the girls are insulting each other? Because that's where all the lesbian references are. Oh, well, um... I didn't mean to get ahead of us. Tell oh, me. Geez. Okay, okay go, go for the. Slow down, please. Okay, go for the. You're, you're, par- you're barreling through this pivotal episode. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is going to be over in only 90 minutes, David. So Missing several Slow your points. goddamn roll. Okay, let's. First of all, Blair says. That I forget that you need to do all the lesbian tallying. Means, I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out a bit of fact of a, life. A bit of fact. And. She says, um, when they're insulting each other in the pantry, Joe complains about her doing her hair in the morning. Yeah. And um, she says, I've had her hair up to my ears. <laughs> Joe says that about Blair. Joe says about Blair, I've had a hair up to my ears. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Lickety wow. split. <laughs> and then... Um, There's a reference about a lube job. Oh, that's right. A lube job (laughs) on primetime TV in 1982. (laughs) Well, she was talking about cars and... Was she? (laughs) Was she? What what is the line? Do you remember it? Something about a lube job. Talking about the breathing. Yeah, her breathing. Yeah, Joe Mm -hmm. says, if you were my bike, I'd give you a lube job. Yes. Lickety split. (laughs) And then in that sentence, not only... Does Joe out herself oh, twice? Oh, what about saying hair up to my ears and lube job? Yeah. Um. Na- um. Tootie gets in on it, and she when she goes, you tell her Tootie. Tootie les is out, and no, Tootie says, you stay out of this, Mister Good Wrench. Oh yeah. <laughs> Makes the choice because I'm thinking like with those vaudevillian writers, I'm surprised they didn't play on it and say Mrs. Good Wrench uh-huh. because she's a woman. You know, oh, and yeah, they kind of play on it that way. No, she made a very distinct choice to call her Mister Goodrich. Yeah, so Blair Joe is the top. Yeah, <laughs> in all, especially with Blair and Miko. Oh, okay. Sorry, go ahead. So, so 
I am. I'm so glad to have you back, Matthew, because <laughs> I miss so much of the lesbianism. Thank you. I'm glad you have a good lesbiometer. Thank you. Better than mine. Yeah. Well, I dated <laughs> one for three years in high school. <laughs> a lovely permed mullet. <laughs> I saw across the softball field, and I thought, "Yep, that'll do." <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Because <laughs> when you need a beard, and she has a beard. Right. <laughs> but, um, and so basically Natalie says, uh, there's stuff Tootie does where if I didn't let it slide, we would have broken up long ago. You're nodding broken your head. Broken up. Yeah. I, um, I assume that was one of the mm-hmm. lesbianic mm-hmm. references that you, uh. We need like a lesbian sound effect, like a diesel truck horn honking. <laughs> For every time. Because <laughs> back in the day, we used to call them diesels. Uh, <laughs> they still do. I think yeah. they still do. But um, Yeah, that was an interesting thing. Not we we would have stopped being friends no. long ago. No. We, you know, we, we would have really been over each other. Nope. Gives new meaning to a black girl and a Jew walk into a bar. Oh. I mean, <laughs> come on. Really? So then she says, oh, I've just been talking to Joe. And Joe is uh, very happy about her new living situation. And Blair, kind of clearly putting on a face, is like, oh, Joe's happy? How nice. (laughs) (laughs) There's the diesel engine coming through again because Blair's jealous. We have to look at Google a diesel engine sound effect. Diesel horn sound effect. <laughs> That's what we need. It's just too long enough. It's just exactly. <laughs> oh, is she? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Natalie says, <laughs> you and I both raised our eyebrows. And she says, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm missing my rock hunt. <laughs> and the girls even say. <laughs> and she says, um, and even the girls go, you're what? And then she reiterates, my rock hunt. (laughs) And you're like, you realize she says, Brenda goes hunting. Brenda and I go out uh, whatever day of the week this Mm -hmm. is. And we go out looking for rocks. And you realize, oh, she's saying rock hunt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Two words, don't want to run them together. It's like when um, Judy would hide um, Joe's bike. And she would have to go on a bike hunt. (laughs) Oh dear. Oh dear. Or when they would hide Blair's microphone and she'd have to go on a my cunt. cunt. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I am you. 12. We are <laughs> I am 12. I was just going to say that. We are fucking children. Rock. Oh. So, so enough about Natalie's rock cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate that word. You hate the C word? No, hunt. <laughs> what, C, what C word are you talking about? Cancer? Yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> Cancer. What? 
<laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> he just kills me, that man. Oh, my God. So we come back now. We have our final pink splash screen, and we are now in our final scene for the episode. Suddenly, the room is miraculously clear and clean. Everything is packed up. The walls are bare. Uh, Blair says, let's get this stuff to the storeroom like they are done and did with this. So Mrs. Garrett comes running in hysterical. The painters are here! I warned you! And oh, oh, good! You're ready! I don't know how they got ready or when. I mean, I guess during these clips that they were all collectively remembering together? They miraculously got a move on and Joe stopped fixing her fucking engine to actually pitch in. But they managed to do it. They got it done, and so they are carrying out their shit for this final exit. But then, Natalie says, Ugh, but wait, we packed up so fast, everything is all mixed up. This is Blair's box, but Joe's stuff is in it. I can smell the Pennzoil. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then this miraculous moment. I don't know, I guess because they all were thinking of the clips and thinking of the good times together collectively that's what the clips are supposed to represent Blair and Joe just look at each other and Blair says what's the difference and Joe says yeah we'll just straighten it out when we come back next fall <sighs> and then they walk on out of the room and that's the end of season five uh, I do want to say in syndication a little weird thing they must have had a couple of extra seconds they needed to fill because it takes a little longer after the freeze frame for the credits to start rolling so that must be their sort of uh, safety net safety cushion is if we are short a second or two or three we can always add some time there but I just noticed that as I was watching them side by side. And uh, last point is, I did mention some clips that were missing from the syndicated version of this episode. There were no instances here in part two where there were clips included in the syndicated version that were not in the broadcast version on the DVDs. That was only a weird thing with those two strange clips that appeared in part one. But nothing like that happens here in part two. So, guys, we're here at the end of the show. We're at the end of the season and perfectly timed with my second birthday. Two amazing years. God, I, I cannot tell you how much joy doing this show brings to me. Not just revisiting this sitcom that I loved so much when I was a kid, but uh, the fact that it is forcing me to sit down and spend one-on-one -on -one time with both my close friends as well as my more distant friends and co-workers and other people. It's just been such a fun journey, and I am so happy that this happens to be a medium that can continue when a pandemic is happening, because uh, right now, this is all I got going on, kids. <laughs> Work isn't going to be picking up anytime soon for us actors. So um, having this artistic outlet, and even though I joke about my tens of listeners, and I don't care how microscopically small my audience may be compared to last podcast on the left, or Joe Rogan, or My Favorite Murder doesn't matter. The fact that anyone is listening, that you are listening right now, uh, means the world to me. And my heart is so 
full as I look at this uh, two-year benchmark. So before I leave you, leave you, I did want to do one more thing. Uh, as you know, the clips that were featured in the episode of The Facts of Life, those were what dictated the clips that I included in this and the previous episode. But there were some other clips, other moments that I really, really loved and I always think about when I think of my favorite moments on the show. And I wanted to share them before I sign off on this episode. Well, you're not going to find it any surprise that all of the clips have Matthew Arter in them. And all of these moments, as you've heard me say before, if I can make Matthew laugh, that is a big win for me. That is huge because he is usually the one that is just crushing me and uh, reducing me to a heap of teary, giggly rubble here. But I have got four clips that I want to share just for just for fun and just because I love when I can make him laugh. The first one's from season three, episode 16, The Four Musketeers. So then we get back to compromising girls, are you? We've got to do that. You mean you're not even willing to try? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Was that is yes. that was that particularly inaccurate? No, I mean, no. The but... pitch was a little high. I'll get, it was a pitchy dog. <laughs> and the next one is from season four, episode seventeen, Best Sister, Part One. And also, she's making her a peanut butter and banana sandwich. Did you notice that? Um, I know that she was supposed to be doing that. Did she actually do that? Make... I don't know if you noticed, but she keeps her bread in the refrigerator. Who does that? Weirdo. Go and <laughs> go right now into Weirdo. my Weirdo. Bagels and loaf bread. Loaf bread. <laughs> Hello? Hello? What? <laughs> a loaf of bread. What's, <laughs> what's the matter? Uh, yeah, a loaf of bread, but I don't call it a loaf bread. <laughs> <laughs> That's just gross. <laughs> Loaf style. <laughs> what is wrong with you? What is wrong? Who you, wants cold bread? I never eat it. I never eat it plain. I always toast it. You never eat room temperature bread. No. You. Right. What's I'm wrong gonna, with you? Gross. I'm gonna put a pin in that for <laughs> when the microphones like, are off. <laughs> I don't call it loaf bread all the time. That was just a term I used to explain myself in the context of that conversation. I never expected that kind of a reaction, but oh my God. The next clip is from season four, episode one. That was the season premiere of, of season four. And uh, that was called Ain't Miss Beholden. And that was where we were talking, as we so often do, about Mrs. Garrett's hair. And this unexpected thing happened. So there's that. And then we're just talking in generalities. Mrs. Garrett's hair has once again transformed into another level of hideous. <laughs> what is what is happening? She is a woman of a certain age that is refusing to admit that she is a woman of a certain age. And there comes this... a time when women have to cut their hair short. I'm sorry if that sounds sexist. I know. But it just... 
But even but we saw how long it was in Facts of Life Goes to Paris, how it was like down, you know, down to her breasts. It was well, like her breasts were pretty low. Yeah, so. that's why it, the hair was really long. Um, so uh, <laughs> it was hair down to her knees <laughs> or breasts, tomato, tomato, whatever. Same. But um, but the fact is that, you know, she had that more deflated hair with the ponytail. Well, our hair is still deflated here. Yeah. But now the knot... The, the the bun rather that is well. now an is literally a knot and it is tiny. Yeah. It looks like it's like a balloon knot. <laughs> it's like <laughs> And I don't mean that in the dirty sense, Matthew, because I know that's exactly where the fuck your brain went. Okay. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me. Are you okay? Let's talk more about Charlotte Ray's balloon knot. <laughs> oh, these make me so, so happy. <laughs> And the final clip, this one I love, because this was a very special episode where I had both Matthew and Paul Padilla on at the same time. We all three sat down at my dining room table in person, like we used to be able to do in the before times, and we watched The Facts of Life Goes to Paris. And we were talking about the Nielsen's for that season. And this is where the conversation went to. For NBC, this was still one of their top rated shows. And I think it might have surpassed different strokes. I don't feel like it was, honey. I'm sorry. God damn it. Pause it. Pause okay. No, we're going to pause it. We're just going to talk. We're going to edit it I don't out. really feel like it was either. But the facts of life mm-hmm. according to the nielsens for the season 81 to 82 the one we just completed yes it was tied at number 24 with little house on the prairie <laughs> are you kidding me don't you ever question me again <laughs> no i don't i apologize i loved it i watched it all the time but little house on the prairie was also the shit i would like you to now they should have gone to paris <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 What's that shit? What a crossover episode. <laughs> Just have fucking Laura Ingalls walking by Blair by the sand. Be like, what the a, fuck is that? Have a covered wagon. Just... What a great yellow you have on. Walking by with her bucket lunch. <laughs> I love the bucket lunch, though. Uh, I've always wanted one of those. Uh, like, no. you do with you? Yeah. Wow. Different strokes did not even make the top 30. Okay. So... And- <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they should have gone to Paris. <laughs> we are all like mopping and sweating and Can crying. you imagine that production meeting though, where they were like, "We got this money. Yeah. Which show are we going to take?" Yeah, to- I say we're, Paris. Yeah, we're, say, we're not going to spend it on costumes, yeah. obviously. But which, no. but which show are we going to take, guys? <laughs> when, like Nelly goes to school yeah, Nelly. in Paris, and we get oh Mrs. God. Olsen over in Paris. She, yeah. loses her keys, and everybody else. You know, yeah, well, I mean, Caroline was oh. the cook in the restaurant and stuff, so she would have been at the at the cooking school with Mrs. Garrett. Two weeks on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> this is it before been... the Statue of Liberty, so that montage is gone. 
Oh my gosh. That is just, I, that, that is, that exemplifies this podcast and how much fun I have doing it. God, those moments are just, they are like gold. They are just so precious. And now even more so that we can't be in the same room with some of these people that are so dear to us. So anyway, on that note, I'm going to wrap things up. All good things must come to an end, including season five of the facts of life. So you know what that means. That means next week, season six premiere. Matthew is going to be back. We're going to have all kinds of fun factoids about the time period, about TV, movies, and Broadway shows that were going on at the time. Please keep on downloading and keep on listening because it's going to be a humdinger, as the kids would say. So thank you so much, guys, for listening these past two years. Thank you for listening to this week's show. And always remember... The facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle Face the Facts Pod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash face the facts pod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>